Good morning, and greetings in the name of Jesus. How are you doing on this fine Lord's Day? Are you excited to be in the house of God again? What'd you learn from Sunday, your Sunday school hour? Somebody was to come up to you and say, hey, what'd you learn? What would you say? Turn to your neighbor and, uh, and say that. Go ahead. I think it is so important that the truths that we hear or things we hear, we, we look back and we pass it on to somebody else. A men's meeting on Wednesday night, we were blessed to, uh, we looked back at summer Bible school and just discussed what we learned from that, what was shared there, and it was good to kind of regurgitate that and talk about it as brothers. So I find that is a way to keep pounding that into my mind or my memory, the things that I hear. I was blessed this morning to look at Paul's willingness that he brought out, uh, not of necessity, but of a willing mind and heart, and that's a beautiful picture. A question for you this morning, do you remember a time when you were forgiven? As you look back in your life, a specific moment or happening where somebody forgave you. Or showed you grace. I hope you can remember one of those moments. There's a museum uh, called Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Was anybody there? Some of us. I am told that one of the exhibits there has a flat piece of iron. And has a label on it that it is said to be worth about $5. Right beside it, also part of the exhibit is a horseshoe made out of the same, used the same amount of iron as that little flat piece. Any guesses what that is worth? They say it's worth up to $50. The same iron, just manufactured into something slightly different. Right beside that, they say, is a pile of needles. From the same amount of flat iron... Said to be worth 5000 Now I questioned, that must have made a lot of needles. $5,000. Fourthly, beside that, the same amount of iron they manufactured into springs that are used in Swiss watches. How much do you think that is worth? $500,000. From the same amount of iron, somebody put work... And time into using it for something else, to manufacture and make something else. They've increased the worth of that iron tremendously. You do the math. There's something this morning, brothers and sisters, that God has given us. That we have the opportunity to invest and to grow the worth of. And this morning, I just want us to think about that. Back to the story, uh, the, the question, do you remember a time when you were forgiven? 
I remember a time. I was a young boy, and there was a carpet store in the area, and a cousin that I like to play with. And this cool carpet store had a forklift. And it was one of the, the forklift with a pole in the front to pick up the vinyl and carpet rolls. And I forget exactly what we were doing, but we were riding on this pole. So one of us would be on the, the forklift, putting this pole up in the air, and I think we would try to see if we could balance on top. Well, I took the controls one time, and I thought I was pretty cool. And it was in the basement of, of the carpet store, and there was drywall on the ceiling. And it was rather low. So you had to be very careful high, how high you put it up. Well, I pushed the controls a little too far, and I poked a nice, probably a foot-by-foot foot hole in the ceiling. We left those fork, that fork, we turned the forklift off, and we went and did something else. Well, thank God for a conscience. Do you remember that, Eddie? <laughs> I'm not sure why Eddie didn't tell his dad and tattle on me. But it went a couple days, and ah, this was eating me up. Finally, I went to Dad, and I said, Dad, I was over at Eddie's place the other day, and I poked a hole in, in Uncle Ray's ceiling. Dad said, well, you know what we need to do? We need to go face Uncle Ray. Like, Uncle Ray's not that bad. I think I can do that. So I went to Ray, and I said, I'm sorry. Here's what I did, and I will fix it. So me and my dad went over, and... We attempted to repair the hole. From what I remember, I think we put some drywall and spackling. But I, from what I can recall, the ceiling was painted as well. And we were going to come back and paint it, my dad and I. Well, a couple days later when we returned, it was already painted. And I said, what? What's going on? And Ray said, oh yeah, I took care of that. I remember that to this day because that was a beautiful illustration to me of forgiveness and grace. Not only did he say, I forgive you, we got to fix it. He said, no, I'll help you fix it. And he went and did part of it for me. That is grace. And brothers and sisters, that is just a little picture of the grace that you have been given. When you come to God and say, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. He doesn't say, all right, I forgive you, but you got to do this and this and this. He says, no, I'm beside you. He puts your arm, his arm around you. That's grace. Do you have a similar story from your past of somebody showing you grace? Think about that this morning. Grace is something that we can, like that iron, turn around and waste, or we can use it for good. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 6.1. Paul is talking in chapter 5 about being ambassadors. And he comes into chapter 6 and he says, We then, as workers together with him... Beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. As you look back, and this is directed to Christians who have made a choice to follow God. As you look back at your life, there's some things from the past that don't look pretty. We were condemned to hell. Yet when we came to God, he forgave it all. That's grace. That grace that you've been given, it is possible for you to use it in vain. And Paul in Corinthians here says, don't use it in vain. Use it for good. 
So I trust this morning as we look into this, I want us to see the gift of grace that we've been given so we can be stewards of that grace and make it worth something more than just to ourselves. Turn with me to 1 Peter. We are going back to 1 Peter chapter 4, continuing our look through the book of 1 Peter. I've entitled the message this morning, Stewards of Grace. Stewards of Grace. If you remember, what is our theme as we're going through 1 Peter? A lively hope, I heard it. A lively hope. In the first chapter, we saw a lively hope that caused us to rejoice. We should rejoice for the hope that we have. Because of that lively hope, we are called to a holy life. That gives us a desire for the Word of God. And because we desire the Word of God, as the babes do, desire the sincere milk of the Word, that gives us purpose. God takes us from dead stones to living stones, and it gives us purpose in life. And we see the life of a stranger is called to submission, people in authority as servants. We, saw, we looked at a married life and the legacy that we live as, uh, leave as parents. The last part of chapter 3, we looked at suffering for doing good, and that should give us a fear of God, not a fear of man. And now we're ready to jump in to chapter 4. My uh, uh, section, or title for this section is Living for God. So join me as we read through 1 Peter 4, verses 1 to 11. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his life his time in the flesh, to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For, for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins." Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak to the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as to the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, as we look at this, may we see or get a glimpse of how we can use the grace of God and not use it in vain. First of all, backing up to, to verse 1 as we work our way through this passage, I see two, two parts that we're going to look at this morning. First of all, we see our gift, which is our gift of grace, and then we're going to see His for His glory. 
So we're using our gift for his glory. Backing up to chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, here's where grace starts. Christ came down, we know, to suffer for you and for me. He took on mankind, God becoming man, to suffer for you and for me. When he did that, he took on the mindset of a battle. Peter says, arm yourselves in that same way, with the same minds. It's a battle. you got to fight. Christ came down and he had to fight. And as, as a man, he fought for us. He suffered for us in the flesh. He set an example. And sometimes when we're talking about grace, yes, we understand grace is given. All we need to do is receive it. But sometimes we think it stops there. It doesn't. The reason Christ came down was to show us, to give us an example of how we can fight that battle. In that same way, we are supposed to take on the mind of Christ. It's a battle. And as I had to think about setting an example, an illustration came to me of a dad. Now, did you ever see a, a little child pick up a bat? The first couple times they try to swing at the ball. Isn't it kind of humorous? I mean, I've seen all techniques. Some, some will try to use the left hand. Some will chop down at it. Some will chop up at it. Some might even put the bat over their head and swing at it. I see all, all different types. And you, maybe you can think back to your experience. Did your dad ever show you how to, how to swing? Keep your eyes on the ball. Pull your bat back. Try to line up that bat with the ball as it comes in. Watch that ball the whole way to the bat. I just get this picture of a dad trying to help his child through that. That same way Jesus came down, he set an example for us. And Peter is saying, right like that, let's take on the mind of Christ. We have an example. We don't have to go through life precariously. We can look back for an example and a model to follow. Christ came for us. That's where grace starts. And when we do that, when we take on the mind's of a battle, the mind of Christ, we're going to suffer to cease from sin. We understand that we all have a flesh, our fleshly desires, and we have a tendency to sin. When we take on the mind of Christ, we are going to fight that. We are going to fight those tendencies, those fleshly desires, right like Christ did. That you should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh, but to the will of God. And isn't that a beautiful picture? Did you ever observe somebody committing their life to Christ? And to see that change when that grace comes in? And they put away the flesh and you see change in their life. And it's beautiful. That's what happens when we put on the mind of Christ. We enter the battle and we fight. Did you ever see a situation where they take on the grace, but they don't fight? They expect to just, oh, it's all good. I accepted Christ. Brothers and sisters, it's still a battle. And Peter is calling us to that, to put away the things of the flesh. And he goes on to say, uh, I'd like to summarize those first two verses, hate sin. Put on the, put on the mind of Christ, hate the sin. 
Verse 3, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles, the heathen. They walked in all these things, lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings. Did you ever take a, a minute or some time to reflect on where you've been? I know they say you're not supposed to dwell in the past, and I agree that. I agree with that. Don't dwell there. But go, if you, it is so valuable in life to look back and see where you've been. Before Christ even. Say, wow, I was wretched. I was lost. I was miserable. Maybe you can list specific things that Christ delivered you from. And out of that attitude, or when we look back and see that, it gives us an attitude of, wow, this is what God did for me. It puts grace into his perspective. Sometimes when we, as a Christian, say, oh, I'm a pretty good person. But if we look back and see where God brought us from, it puts ourselves into perspective. Look back, but don't dwell there, because that's what you were before Christ. But when you accepted Christ, when you received that grace, there is going to be a change. And in verse 4, simply put, people will see that change. And they might wonder, why? Ah, man, Tristan changed. What is up with him? They may look at you and say, wow, why, is, why are they doing that? They're committed to their church, whatever it may be. People will see that change, and if they don't, that's using the grace of God in vain. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not supposed to go through life, hey, look what I did. But when we're simply putting aside the flesh, people will see that change. And they say, wow, they're no longer doing the things that they were. Because guess what? Those same people, they're going to have to give an account, as it says in verse 5. And your life can be a witness to them as they see the change, the grace of God working in you. So before Christ, you look back and see what happened. After Christ brings a desire to change. Now, back to that child. Imagine if the dad is helping him swing, okay? He's getting pretty good at it. Finally, one day, he's actually playing in a ball game. He says, you know what? I think it'd just be kind of fun to do my own thing. So he stands on home plate, bat over his head. Just one time, it'll be fine. That won't end well. Brothers and sisters, we can't continue to go back and nibble on things from the past. We've got to put those things aside. There has to be a change continuing to fight. Don't go back and try to do your own swing. Continue to fight that. There is a change after Christ. In verse 6, Peter speaks of how, I think he's referring back to verse 5, where it says they're going to have to give account. The gospel that is preached is going to speak. And he says the people that are dead, they had a chance too. The gospel was preached to them. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but they're going to live according to God in the Spirit. All we need to do is receive that grace. And when we receive that grace, it should bring an attitude of change. It's a gift. Receive it and change. We don't go back to the old bat-swinging habits. We can't go back and nibble. There needs to be a change. Imagine if somebody gave you 50 bucks. What are you going to do with the $50? 
What if you'd like turn around and walk down wherever you are and trash can nearby and just drop the $50 in the trash? Ooh. How would you feel if you gave somebody $50 and they did that to you? I think I would go running after them and say, yo, why are you doing that? Brothers and sisters, when there is not change in our life, after we receive God's grace, if we don't put on the mindset of Christ, it's the same way of receiving money from somebody and just dropping it in the trash. Don't use the grace that you've been given in vain. Fight to take that grace you've been given and make it worth something more. And Peter moves on into the second part of, of this section here and says, here's some ways you can use that grace. So, first of all, our gift of grace should bring a change. Secondly, for his glory. Verse 7, but the, end of time, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Before we dive in, I have another story from my childhood of where I was then given the opportunity to extend grace. And I may be getting things out of order from my childhood. I'm getting old. I'm getting forgetful. But I'm pretty sure it was shortly after the incident of my uncle showing me grace. We had a family over, I, it was one of my parents' friends from the past. And they had several children. And so we were there playing after supper. And one of their boys was playing with my toys, and he got my piggy bank, my good store piggy bank. This truck was pretty cool. I mean, it was a piggy bank on wheels, a nice truck. He was playing with it a little rough, and he broke the back door off the back. Hmm. I could hardly have it. I got that truck, and I put it away. They left. I went to my parents'. And I said, look what he did. We got to tell his parents and he has to get me a new truck. The door is broken. We sat down and my dad said, don't you think you can forgive him? It's just the door on the back of your truck. Do you think your attitude is right? If you did that to somebody else's toy, would you want them to come back and demand that you replace it? Show forgiveness. I remember as a little boy, that was hard for me, but it was good. I say that story to say, we in turn have the opportunity to extend the grace we've been given and turn around and give it to somebody else. And Peter says here in verse 7, be careful because the end is at hand. Don't just go through life haphazardly. Go through life soberly. What's the opposite of sober? <laughs> Drunk. What do drunkards do? They stumble around doing whatever they feel like. Don't go through life just doing whatever feels good to you. Go through life soberly, intentionally, asking God, how can I extend the grace you've given to me and pass it on to somebody else? And we can do that watching to prayer, Peter says. Pray. And when we have that relationship, God will show you the opportunities to extend grace and to show grace, to call others to grace. 
You see, I give that analogy back to my parents, or reminded me of that situation with my parents. I went to them, and because of my relationship with them, they were able to speak in and show me a little area where I could learn to extend grace or forgiveness, in this case, to somebody else. Keep your relationship with God where it should be. He will show you the places to extend, the areas to extend grace to others. And what are you doing when you do that? You are growing that grace. You are using that grace for something worthwhile. You are not dropping that grace in the trash can. Take it seriously. Be sober. Pray. Next of all, verse 8. And above all these, have charity. How do we define charity? Love. Love one another. Even when they grind you, show love. And he finishes the verse to say what? For charity, love is going to cover a multitude of sins. Too many times we're quick to judge or call people to... Or have an attitude of revenge, maybe. You did this, you deserve it. You chose that thing in life, you deserve that outcome. Show love, show grace. And when it says love is going to cover a multitude of sins, I don't think Peter is saying look the other way when somebody is sinning, sinning against God. It's saying love is going to cover when people offend you. Ah. When somebody offends you, love is just going to cover that. It's not going to demand restitution. Love is going to cover that. And it's beautiful. That is using the grace we've been given. What's one way you can do that? Let me tell you a truth. You know most people aren't intentionally out to hurt you? That's a lie that we often believe. I often believe. When somebody says something that I don't really like or does something I don't really like, man, they're just out there to annoy me. They just, that is a lie. Often people are doing things out of a good heart or what they think is right. They might be wrong, but they're doing it out of, I think this is the best thing to do. I think this is the best thing to say. They're not out there to get you. And when we can believe that, That will help us to extend love when offenses come our way. We're talking about extending grace. Show love. Next of all, verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. Hmm. Even when people don't deserve it. Show hospitality. What does hospitality mean in today's world? Inviting them over for meals? I don't know. Giving a helping hand? You name it. There's so many areas we can show hospitality, inviting to help. Be hospitable. That is extending grace, even when it's inconvenient. Mm. Is it hospitality if we do it when it's only convenient for us? Or do we step out of our way to be hospitable and sacrifice? Be hospitable. Next of all, share the grace. And this is where I got my title from in verse, uh, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, we have received the grace. We just need to accept it. Even so, minister the same one to another. Pass it on to one another as good stewards of the grace you've received. Don't waste the grace. Don't throw it away. God has given you grace to extend it to others. Share the gift. You heard the example of Scrooge. 
Scrooge grew up thinking that he needed to keep his money to himself and use it wisely. And he did not have a good attitude towards others. At the end of his life, there was a change, and he started giving away. And his life changed. He was a happy, joyful man. Brothers and sisters, and we continue to extend forgiveness and grace to others, it will affect your life. Be good stewards of the grace you've received. Why are we doing all this? For God's glory. We do not extend grace. We don't have to extend grace to say, I checked it. I did my part. No, we do grace to point others to where the grace came from. For his glory. As you go through life, are you extending grace to point others to where the grace came from? Are you doing it to just, yes, I did it. I was hospitable. I showed love. I forgave. No, you're doing it humbly because God showed grace to you. You're pointing others to where the grace came from. It's not about you. It's for God's glory. My question, are you passing on God's grace? Are you living for self? Are you keeping that grace to yourself? Giving God the glory is our charge. A charge that we have to pass the grace and give God the glory. So my takeaway as we wrap this up. My desire is that we are a people who are humbled by the effects. Effects with an E. A change. The change of God's grace. When we receive God's grace, there is a change. Don't stop fighting the flesh. Be serious. Share the grace. And sometimes I see in Christianity, when we receive God's grace, we become a Christian. Ah, I'm saved. Don't stop with that. We are not entitled to an easy life after we accept God's grace. Too many times that is the picture that we're a Christian now. We deserve God to bless us and care for us. We do not. Our calling is to pass that grace on to others and sacrifice ourselves. Through that, God will extend blessings but we're not entitled to it. Love, don't be offended. Show hospitality. I was, uh, somebody I heard recently talking referred to a verse in Mark as was this idea of being a Christian or receiving God's grace. What's the end goal? Do you know why Jesus called disciples to himself? Was it so the disciples could be close to him? Let me read you two verses. As he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, his disciples, and they came unto him, and he ordained twelve that they should be with him. Okay. And that he might send them forth to preach and have power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. Brothers and sisters, you've been given grace to extend it to others. You've not been given grace just to cuddle with the Father. You've been given grace to extend it to somebody else. Don't waste it. Don't use it in vain. Grow the worth of the grace. What are you busy with? Are you fighting for the king? Are you trying to act like you're living in the palace and just want to be close to God? Are you extending the grace and the forgiveness you've been given? In ending, I have three questions 
to make it personal. And I'm going to give you a moment to reflect. If you have a pen or paper, jot down what you're thinking to these three questions as we're talking about being stewards of grace. Our gift we have received for His glory. Question number one. What is one way you have experienced God's grace or forgiveness? What is one way you've experienced God's grace or forgiveness? Just take a moment to meditate on that. Question number two. What is one area you need to enter the battle to change? I talked about when we receive God's grace, it calls us to fight and to change. Is there areas that you're going back and nibbling on the past? Is there a specific area you need to enter the battle to change because of the grace you've been given? What is one area you need to enter the battle to change? And thirdly, let's look forward. What is one way you can show grace or be a steward of grace this week? Did God bring anything to your mind as we were looking at this subject of extending grace? Is there one way you can be a steward of grace this coming week? So, as we close, go be stewards of God's grace. There's a gift you've been given. Don't use it in vain. Use it for good. And God will bless you tremendously. Take out your songbooks, Songs of Faith and Praise. Turn to number 635. We're just going to sing the first verse of this and the chorus. Freely, freely, you've been given a gift. Freely extend it to others. And why don't we all stand as we sing. God forgive my sin in Jesus' name. I've been born again in Jesus' name. And in Jesus' name I come to you to share.
Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning, and I thank you for this letter from 1 Peter. We saw the grace that we've been given as we look at our past. It's because of you. And thank you for the change that is possible through your grace. May we enter the battle to fight. And as we receive that grace, may we in turn be good stewards of it, passing it on to others through love, hospitality, being sober, and in prayer. I thank you for my brothers and sisters here at Myerstown. May it not be said of us that we use the grace of God in vain. Help us to turn around and pass it on to others. As we answer our week, be with us, go with us, help us to point people to you for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are dismissed. I'm pressing on the other.